Holy moly, we are back. Forget hotel rooms, forget kitchens, forget Whoa. doorbells and, co- and You're dogs. You're kind of a big deal around here, if you haven't heard. I came in today and I said, I'm going to go from Samuel L. and Charles Barkley to Sims. Somebody that's relevant. I don't yes, know if it's I'm working. here for relevancy. <laughs> Charles Barkley apparently told me he listens to Sims or watches Sims and Lufko. That was cool. Yeah, that's good. He's a good liar. How was your Thanksgiving? It was very good. Yeah? yeah I love Thanksgiving. You hosted it? Hosted it. Drank a lot of tequila. So did I. Yep. I was in Vegas, though. Smoked so. a lot of daddy cigars. Nice. Yes, nice. it was a good day. Was your was uh, Big Phil enjoying the Yeah, uh, he, got, he got there, I would say. Um, I paused the Cowboys-Redskins game yes. to wait for him to get to the house. And oh, that's very yeah, nice yeah, of you. Yeah, it was nice of me. And then uh, we got there and uh, started watching. Yeah, it was good. He got there. I'm going to say he got there like 545. So you guys are parked in front of the television? Yeah, for a little bit, certainly. Made a plate, come back, ate it while watching. Yeah, no, no, no. We ate down and had. Le- we sat oh, down and, nice. at the table. Yeah, yeah. No, no sitting at the TV for the Thanksgiving. And meal. then, how much of your family actually watches the games with you? Everybody, really. I mean, you know, the kids are in and out, but everybody's kind of sitting around the TV, semi paying attention. Like, you know, my mom and my wife are looking up occasionally and yeah. then giggling on their own stories or whatever. Yeah. I was good. in the MGM right. uh, sitting next to Pat Perez and Darren Clark as they chiefed some cigs and some cigars. And oh. I'm sitting there going, come on, plus seven and a half Washington. Let's go. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All, all those games. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm creating a new segment because right. as someone that, look, we gamble on every game. With in a, in a way, so we're very well aware of the spreads. Yes, I'm watching the game differently than everybody else. Right. So coming out later, I'm going to do um, what am I calling it? Leftco's Leftco's big gambles or something like that, where I'm just looking at oh, great moments in gambling with Adam Leftco. Right, great I, delivery there. I killed it. <laughs> Five moments from Sunday and Thursday that were really big for gamblers. Oh, right, I that, like that. That other people weren't aware of. Yeah, because I'm sitting there on Sunday going, "Come on." Patriots, hold the Jets, don't let them in. Right. Whereas everybody else is going, why are they trying so hard? So right. we'll do great moments in gambling. Cool. Um, oh, I have a story for oh. you. Remember I told on the podcast, yeah. Monday, flying in, I'm watching Chiefs Rams on the flight. Yeah. Okay? Right. The guy next to me right, took his socks off, his shoes off, put the dip in, and he's watching my screen. Right. Friday of the match, yeah. that morning. I'm there early production meeting. I walk out to get a banana, and there's Tiger Woods sitting there two feet away from me. And I look up and I go, that's the fucking guy from the airplane. Why didn't that guy put the game on his own TV? But I I didn't know who this guy was. So I go to somebody else and I go, who is that? They go, that's Tiger's agent. And I was like, that's Tiger's agent? We're getting ready to, I think it's Mark Steinberg. I have to reach out to this guy. I got to meet him. But... Well, I have met him. I got to talk to him. But he comes on set, and Charles is like, hey, Mark. How you doing, Mark? Good to meet you. Good to see you, man. Samuel Jackson's like, hey, man. Good to see you again. And he and he looks at me. He goes, I sat next to you on the plane. I was like, yes, we did. I never thought I was going to see this guy again. And instead, it's Tiger's freaking agent. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I, I'd like to hear more stories about you and Samuel L. and Charles Barkley. Okay. Yes. I'll start it off like this. Two cool black guys and you. Yes, and Pat, and Pat Perez was awesome. We were having a good time. Dude, I was there for like 10 yeah, hours. Yeah, it was a long time. I was just sitting I there. I turned it off when Tiger was walking up to the first tee. That's when you were like, Well, it, it was cutting off. I was on I was on the YouTube link at that point. Gotcha. Josh sent me a YouTube link, so I started watching the pregame. Right, 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 right. 
And yes, at that time, I was like, you know what? I got to go work out. Yeah. I need to do something for you me have here your for rep, a little while. You, yeah, you have your routine to right, do. Right, right. So I'll say this. I wish that everyone could have heard us for the entire match yeah. because Charles and Sam were the funniest people I've ever heard. And then Pat and Charles have this relationship where they just egg each other on. Right. And Charles would be like, man, you better cut that damn hair. And Pat's like, you better lose some damn weight. So like, that's going on while I'm watching the match. And both of those guys would leave occasionally and it would just be me and Sam sitting there. Right. And Sam loves golf. Like this man is obsessed with golf. He plays every day, sometimes more than one times a day. If he took money off somebody and they want to keep playing them and we're just shooting the shit the entire time. And very early on, he looks at me and when Sam, Samuel Jackson looks in your eyes, it's like a religious experience. Say what again, motherfucker. All of those lines, right. you just want to say them. Right. I'm tired of these mother snakes on this mother having playing. Like it's you're just there, and you're like I've right. seen you my whole life. Yeah, and he looks over at me. Tiger misses a putt on like third or fourth hole, yeah. and he turns to me and he goes, "I don't know who these motherfuckers are, but it sure as fuck ain't Tiger and Phil. These <laughs> motherfuckers suck." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Sam, I want you to say this on TV." He's like, yeah. "I can't say that, man. I can't." But we're just going back. Charles is over here betting on college football games Great. for healthy numbers. Great. Pat's over here FaceTiming with Jordan Spieth and giving it to Barkley. And Barkley's like, because Barkley, Barkley said that Jordan Spieth should just shave his head and go bald and just admit that he's losing his hair. And it was Jordan Spieth's wedding day. Oh, and Barkley's like, I didn't know, Jordan, it was your wedding day. My bad. I mean, you still got to cut your head, but yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> he man. does need to cut his hair. Um, you know, and Verlander's like going back and forth with Barkley. Um, for me, there was a moment where I didn't realize that when it went to the extra holes, Ernie and the other broadcasters were going to come up to the desk we were at. And what they were going to do, yeah. I didn't really find out until mm, 45 seconds beforehand was... Right. Adam's going to do highlights blind oh. and then also leave the set while I'm doing highlights while Ernie comes on. Are you kidding me? So they're going. So are you walking around as you're so trying to? I'm like picking up my paperwork, yeah. but also going. And then we pick it up on the 16th hole, that birdie putt there for Tiger, unable to get it down. And if that wasn't enough, Charles has written on my notes his phone number. Because he wants to hang out after the match and get some drinks. Right. So he writes his phone number down. And he wants to make sure that I see it. Me. Yeah. 17th hole. Another opportunity here. But what a chip from Tiger Woods. And Charles is over here going. Adam. And I'm going. And I'm going. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But I'm going like 18th hole. We pick it up now. I'm going, I got it. Right. And then Charles is still trying to the paper. And eventually I had to go, Charles, I see your number. Big shot there by Phil Mickelson. And, and like Charles is like, awesome, Adam. Hit me up. We'll hang out. And I was like, Charles, like, and I didn't even know that was going to happen. Let me go a little step further. Yeah. So I get done. I go over. All the technical people are like, dude, way to handle that. That was crazy. I say, yeah, absolutely. They said, all right, give us the microphone and take off your IFBs. And I said, you know what? Can I actually keep the IFBs on? IFB is the thing in people's ears where you can hear the broadcast. I what said, does it stand for? Uh, hopefully Nick can answer that. Interrupted fallback. Ah. I didn't know that. I was going to say like interfibrillator. Inter. Uh, 
Inter- what was it? Interrupted fold back? Fold back. Okay. That's okay. interesting. I didn't know that. Hmm. So I said, can I keep it in my ears? Because I'm going to go on the course, but I'd still like to listen to the broadcasters right. to know what's going on. Yeah, sure. So I go out there. I'm hanging out with Omar, House of Highlights, Omar. And we're, we're talking about how crazy this is. It's dark. It's under the lights. They're in a chip off. This is crazy. And right when there was the big moment on 21 where Tiger was going to have to putt from four feet. And because there were shadows and it was dark out, none of them could hit their putts. And Phil goes, I don't want to win like this. Pick it up. Let's play 22. And it was a great moment. Right when he said that, the producer gets in the headset and goes, so what we're going to have to do is when this ends, Ernie's going to go do the award ceremony and Adam's going to go and and host the rest of the postgame show. Oh, my. So now you're going to have to go back to the desk. So the only reason I even heard is because I decided to keep my things in. So I run back up there and I go, I'm going back on soon. And they're going, what? And I go, yeah, I'm going back on soon. So they put it down in my shirt. I grab a microphone. And as soon as Ernie goes on there, I just jump on the set. And like Peter Jacobson looks at me like, what's up, brother? Good to see you. And I just did the post game show and tossed. So honestly, I love that shit. Like that's the best. Yeah. Because for me, I've always said to people, if I could do an hour and a half with Sims, and get done, and we look at each other and go, I could have done an hour and a half more. Right. Live TV ain't nothing. Yeah, right. It's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's just, you know, can you look at Samuel L. in the face right. when he doesn't laugh at one of your jokes and still have the balls to make Just another keep one? Keep going, right? Yeah. Right. But, dude, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then I didn't realize I was hosting the VIP later, yep. which was a one-on-one with me, Tiger, and Phil. Right. And I had already had some drinks. Ooh. and. We had a really good time. Good. Tiger made eye contact and said, I kind of like that, which I think means... Oh, that's a big victory. Right? Big victory. Yeah. I mean, you, the only thing that beats that, I think, is like a fist pump. Like I on, got one of those, too. Did you? Oh, no, like the Tiger Like fist a true pump? fist pump. Like, I made the big putt on 18. Like, that's what he, that's when he, you know you really did that's something what special. I know. But it was it was really, really cool. Yeah, that's It cool. was good. And Legends. then you were on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, big Holy weekend for us. And you got your name on the graphic. Whoa, big time, yes. And now you're 4-0. I am 4-0. Everyone else on there is like 7-5. and five. Are they? I don't even know what their records They're are. They're average. Yeah. Rodney, I think, is pretty me. good. But now you're 4-0. 4-0. Got something to live up to. The only problem is... Right. Man, did I kick your ass in the bets. I bet. I don't feel like I Do got... Do you want to know, or should we save it for Thursday? Uh, I mean, you can give a brief rundown right now. Go ahead. Uh, I feel like I didn't win any of my big games of the spreads. I mean, I went 6-1 and one in the 1 o'clocks. Okay. So all of the, the Ravens covering the 10.5, the Patriots, all that. Right. I think I'm up $900 <laughs> in one week. Damn, so I lost, like, I lost every game against the spread. Yeah, and then you lost the I mean, the on Thanksgiving, I lost Washington. all three. Yeah. I no, mean, you didn't. You got Chicago, but you lost. No, I, I thought I picked the Lions to cover. No, you, you've you picked, oh, picked so many. Pu- I picked a, a push. But then you went with the Bears. I think you're right. Yeah, but right. we'll get into that more on the betting show that comes out Friday. Uh, SLFL update. I think Team Odell Rogers is going to the playoffs. I know that our playoffs are different rules, but that starts this week. Yep. So we got Tyree Kill back. Hopefully him and Odell and Juju are ready to carry us again. But yep. I think we're going to the playoffs. Okay. And again, the birdies are chirping. Oh, the birdies. Let me just say that a few of the people that were on the set for the match mm. are helping build our set in Atlanta. Ooh, Charles and Samuel are coming down to build it? I don't know if they're going to be building. <laughs> but I'm just saying, again, you don't need to get a ticket to the Super Bowl. 
But that whole week, we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see us interacting with NFL players. You're going to be able to hang out with us. We really want to see you guys. Be there. So it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a really good time. Uh, First reaction. I had it here first. It was going to be Nathaniel Hackett gets fired. Mm -hmm. But now there's two big notes. Bam. Nathaniel Hackett fired and Blake Bortles benched for Indianapolis. Number 71. Cody Kessler Woo! will be taking over. Yes. Which one do you want to react to first? Uh, I guess the, let's just do chronological order. Let's go to Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett first. Fired. Right. right. Um, before we go into the obvious, which is the no duh, right. I will say that the guy whose book I referenced a lot preseason, Warren Sharp, yep. about a week ago put a thread online about how repetitive Nathaniel Hackett's play calling has been right. against Pittsburgh in the five games where they were trying to waste the lead, waste the time when they had the lead. They ran the same play from the same formation four or five series in a row on first down. Right. He went. They didn't back- complain about that when they were running up the middle though for 10 yards a carry in the first half i just wanted to point that out for sure for sure um but he did find a lot of trends that when nathaniel hackett played certain formations it was a hundred percent a run or a hundred percent a pass and his whole thing is just they got very predictable lefko I'm just telling you outside. I know, but let's just have the con- I mean, you, you have and to I be predictable. can sit there yeah. and watch Jaguars games, and I can sit there, and you're there too now in this point where you go, watch this, they're going to do this. Watch this, they're going to throw there. Yeah. I mean, we know. Yeah. It's not because Nathaniel Hackett only has those plays in his pot in his playbook. I mean, this is the third it's offensive the only ones coordinator. feel comfortable running. Exactly right. I mean, Greg Olson couldn't run the three-step drop pass game at all because Blake Bortles was a below 50 per- He was the worst three-step drop back passer in football. So you're handicapped that way. Jed Fish, he got out the door. So, hey, as much as you want to say it's predictable, he's also being predictable because there's only a, a few amount of plays that his quarterback really feels comfortable Executing. So the NFL posted a picture of Nathaniel Hackett saying the Jaguars have fired Nathaniel Hackett. And Deion Sanders wrote underneath, my nephew six years old saw this coming. How about you address the real issue and stop firing innocent people? And I would say we echoed those echo those comments. I think that's one of the first things we said to each other this morning in our morning meeting. So I guess my issue with the whole thing with Bortles and Nathaniel Hackett is... Now I'm seeing everyone going, Bortles stinks, Bortles stinks. I I know. I know. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? It is weird. It is. Because I want everyone to know. I get no joy out of it anymore. Like, I'm like, no crap. I mean, I don't even, I'm like, I'm like, you're finally realizing it? That's what I want to say. Go ahead. I want everyone to understand that, like, we'll be in meetings for the show Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And we'll go, you know what? I don't, I know it's a big news for everybody else, but. Sims doesn't want to harp on this. We don't really want to keep pounding this. Like we are actively having to tell people that we can't talk about this this much yes. because we feel bad. Right. But at the same point to see everybody else talking about it, like I'm almost positive that I went ba- if I went back into NFL network, I could find Deion Sanders saying that Blake Bortles is a winner. Like, I'm almost positive that I could find that. That I could find all of these NFL yes, analysts... making excuses for him. Making yeah. excuses and telling me that he's a winner right. and that, you know, he goes out there and, and the team rides and dies with him. Like, so in a weird way, I'm seeing all of this now. And I really just want to give everybody the double bird yeah. and be like, you can't be angry at Blake Bortles now. 
It's right. not Blake Bortles' fault. The, right. fa- the problem is, is like two that years Jacksonville ago. Jacksonville has continued to put him out there and do this to him. And like, that, I don't even want to have this conversation because I feel like our listeners have heard this so many times. I, I agree. I know. it's it's We're beating it, into the, beating it to death. Um, it, it's, again, yeah, it's just, I don't know what else to say other than, okay, how many offensive coordinators is this? Is this three or four in the Blake Bortles era that we've gone through? At some point, we just have to address the elephant in the room that's 25,000 pounds, and that's Blake Bortles. You know, I have a hard time thinking that Doug Marone wanted to fire Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I feel what like, do you think happened? I just I feel like they have a very good relationship. I mean, they go back to their Syracuse days together. I did not realize yeah, that. So this is something there. And Doug Marone, I don't think, is that type of guy. I think Doug Marone realistically knows what the issues are there. He's very pragmatic yes. usually. So I, I, and I you saw say, the quote where, he, where Nathaniel Hackett said he was shocked. Right. I, I feel like somebody forced the hand. Uh, that's what I would think. And whether that's a Caldwell or a Coughlin or the owner, whoever it may be, that would just be me. I don't know any of that for sure. I'm just saying that. I was reading a newspaper article today, either from Buffalo or Jacksonville. Yeah. And apparently Tom Coughlin was coming down in an elevator right. and it was going too slow and he couldn't get on. It was like the official like workers elevator. Right. And he took a public elevator and the writer was near him the entire time and just heard Buffalo Bills fans shitting on Blake Bortles to him for the entire walk. And the writer was like, Coughlin was furious and was trying to get out of there as quickly as he can. And I'm almost like, man, did Coughlin just sit with that for that long and go, I'm making changes. I can't handle it. I've had it. This is it. This, this is the final straw. I guess that random Buffalo guy yelling at me is all I needed to <laughs> That's hear. That's all I had to hear. But it's, it's time. I don't know what they're going to do. He's got a lot of money left on that contract. Let me pull it up really quick and the just deep, see if they're owed. Like, they I, owe th- I think they're stuck with Blake for another year. I don't think they can get out of it easy. So if you want me to look it up, I will. Blake Bortles is the number one trending player on Spot Track right now. People trying to see a salary. Right. So really, I'm the, looking right yeah, now. Go ahead. I'll talk. The they big, cut him next year. Yeah. Sixteen and a half million dollars dead cap. So is. he's coming back. He's coming. Year back. after that, it's five. It's fine. They'll eat that. Right. No, it's five. Oh, it's five. five. Oh, okay. which is still a good amount. Yeah. But sixteen and a half next year if they cut him. Wow. Yeah. Twenty six and a half if they cut That's him. It's gonna year. be in a. They're gonna be in a weird spot. What happened to Bortles this year is he got exposed. I mean, officially, not only, you know, the big thing is last year, they were the number one run offense in football. And because of that, and because everybody's fear of them just mashing the line of scrimmage and Fournette coming downhill and getting four and five yards a pop, even when there was nothing there, he was still getting three and four yards. You know, that's where we saw Blake Bortles flourish, flourish for a little while because of what we talk about. Screen game, bootlegs, shallow crosses, crosses a little deeper than the shallow crosses because they get off the play action and everybody's so worried about it. So then when Fournette got hurt, the O-line gets a little banged up, all of a sudden it became, okay, wait, we, we have to throw a little bit. We're paying this guy $18 million a year. We have to do this to win the football games. And it just it's just not capable of happening. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's also uh, everything I know from league circles – He's one of the leading issues for the team dysfunction down there in Jacksonville. You know I've told you that. I'm comfortable saying it here and now. You are? Yeah. But what are you comfortable saying? I'm just comfortable saying that I have enough knowledge to know that some of the issues we've heard about in the locker room and things like that this year are because the defense realizes the offense is crap uh, and that Bortles is crap. and They have a problem with it, and they know they can't talk about it or say anything. 
uh, and they're trying to be good soldiers about it. But, yeah, I think that's a big part of the dis- dysfunction and frustration in Jacksonville. When I watched Jaguars-Texans yeah. and Cody Kessler came in the game, right, it went right and down after the field. doing nothing all game, right. drove down the field, this will be very good for the Jacksonville locker room, I think. Yeah. But you could tell the frustrations. Right. The fight with Leonard Fournette and Shaq Lawson. That was unreal yesterday. I mean, the Jaguars have so much pent-up anger. Yeah that I would bet a lot of it stems from that. And they spent all offseason defending this guy. Well, when you go onto a field as a football player, you can walk off a field and go, Should, were, we the, were we the better team? Were we not? And I, you know, Jacksonville, as you and I both talk about, I mean, they got studs everywhere. Yeah, They're walking off the field probably on a weekly basis going, that, those guys we just played aren't as good as us. Hmm. We, we lost. I again, mean, the, the again, defense again. had to have left the Pittsburgh game and going, we kicked their ass for three quarters, right? And we lost that game, right? So the I, Texans game that you just referred to, same thing. I mean, it's, you don't it's take like, any joy in this. I don't. You're you're. I'm I actually would say over it. I, I mean, would say you're also angry though that Nathaniel Hackett had to take the fall for it I, too. It does bother me because his predictableness that everybody is going to talk about was because he was backed into a corner with a quarterback that could only throw and execute a few plays. It may have been correlation because Bortles stunk, so he had to be that predictable. I think so. But you know, I one thing that I appreciate about watching you rise in broadcasting and seeing your name on the fucking graphic. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I commented on Sims and Lefko. Give this man some damn respect. Oh, thank you. Is because when you watch the game and you talk about it a lot, I know that we're not crazy. Right. And we've had a lot of people that have been ride or die with us from the beginning. Yeah. And they know that the Bortle stuff was not a gimmick, that just because something becomes popular doesn't mean it was made in an attempt to be popular. Right. That we would sit there and watch the game and go, no, Rodgers is the best quarterback and Bortles is the worst. Right. And people wanted to fight us on both of those things. So to watch you now rise up and to see things like this, to prove to us that all those conversations weren't crazy, it doesn't give me joy. It's more more like a relief. Yeah. I'm happy you. it's done. Right. We don't got to fight this anymore. Yeah, the fight's over. And at the same point, yet again, we weren't freaking wrong. Our gambling may be wrong because gambling is hard. Mm. Our game predictions are going to be wrong because it's hard. By the way, you went 5-0 and oh, guaranteed to lose. Oh, thank you. You're back. Silver lining. But, you know, bigger statements like quarterback play, I'm just tired of getting into arguments with people that are not qualified to have the arguments with yeah i know i'm just fucking done yeah so i'm happy that this is over yeah because it was the thing where whenever there was blake news me and josh would put at the top of the rundown because it's what our show was about but now i don't gotta talk about it anymore nope the blake bortles era is over it was marginally interesting when it happened it wasn't fun yeah even though being on Levitard was kind of fun. Yeah, that was a blast. You just got to figure out who your new number seven it was, is going to be. It was fascinating for a while. It was fascinating because they were winning. That's what was fascinating. Dude, a few weeks ago, people were saying you were just a hater. I, a few weeks ago this season. I'm sure. I know. I mean, it's again, it just it was a great point to show that it's a team sport and that at the quarterback position, if you have a great team around you, you don't have to be great. Your team can still win. We can make this better, though. Yeah. I doubt he'd accept. But I know that you and your dad and your brother, yeah. 
the number one thing that they're doing. What's the name of the company that your brother and your dad are starting? Uh, damn, I do, can't. Do you want to say it? it? No, it's yeah. We could say it. They could, Sims Complete QB. Sims or Complete QB. Complete QB. Yeah. Is QB. that it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. But you guys are working with a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. Some in the NFL. Yeah. Some in college. Mm-hmm. And it's just about helping throwing motion. Right. And you would love to work with Blake Bortles. Would love to. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I know he might hate me, and damn, if he comes up and wants to work with the Sims family, I might even let him punch me one time. Might just go, hey, go ahead, I give you. But really, but you just want to have him up here and just work on mechanics. We could certainly show him some things that could certainly help him throwing the football. No doubt, you can say what you want about the Sims family, whether we were good quarterbacks or not. There was probably only one good of a good one, and that's Phil. But we could all throw the ball, and I think if anybody saw us in person throw the ball, you'd go, damn, I didn't realize you guys were that talented. And we're yeah, we're nuanced about it. We love it. We live it. We talk about it all the time, and that's what we do. And you would love to work out with him if we possible. Yeah. If he'd be interested. We would definitely would. Dude, come up. We'll drink some Bert. We'll drink some tequila. Right. We'll smoke some daddy cigars, <laughs> and then you go out there and throw the pigskin. Right. I think we'll, it'd be great. We'll throw the pigskin and then do yeah, that. Yeah, right. that would be weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. Blake, <laughs> you're a little off. <laughs> you never, maybe that's the key. Maybe it's what he needs. I did realize, though, I was looking up earlier, there is one statistic yeah. that connects Blake Bortles and Phil Sims. Both had 13 career pick sixes. Is that right? Yeah. Blake did it in five. Phil did it in 14. 15. 15. Yeah, 15. 15. And so did Brady. Brady's got 13, too. Brady's got – that's unreal. Yeah. That's unreal. Damn. Dad threw one in 93. I can remember that was his last pick six. Bill's game, Sunday night football. Did you ever throw a pick six? What? Yes. Oh, you of course did. I did. <laughs> I didn't know. I threw a few. College and pros. Man. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Pick six. All Pick right. Six. Giants, Eagles. Yeah. You watch the film. I watch the film. Both okay. sides. All right. So I want to say the first part of the conversation is that Odell came out and said, knowing that the Eagles were struggling with injuries in the secondary, personally, I would have loved to attack them, but that wasn't in our game plan. So I went through, and I'm seeing everyone on TV talking about how Saquon didn't get the ball enough in the second half and that... Blah, blah, blah. Well, I looked. So let me just give a few stats yeah, before you do. go. Because I looked at every possession. Gotcha. In the first half, the Giants had the ball for 17 minutes. Right. They controlled the clock. Right. They had 15 first downs. The Eagles only had the ball for 13 minutes and eight first downs. So Giants had the ball. They were moving it. Saquon had nearly 100. In the second half, the Giants only had the ball for 10 minutes right. and had three first downs. Right. Part of the issue with the Giants' defense, I thought, was the offense was three and out, three and out, three and out, three yeah. and out. It was crazy. Right. And the it wasn't like the Eagles had these long drives. They only had one drive of longer than five minutes. It was the game-winning drive when they were kind of milking the clock. Right. So when I looked at all the possessions, I saw Saquon up the middle for three, sack for 11 yards, Saquon middle draw, punt. Then five plays right. of all Wayne Gallman on the field, right. which I agree with Giants fans. Wayne Gallman should not be getting an entire drive to himself. Yep. Then like one deep pass to Odell in which it wasn't even near him at the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And the fourth quarter was incomplete sack punt. And then they had that one drive where, I will admit as an Eagles fan, Odell was 100% held yeah, in the end zone. Right. That was a pass interference. But I'm curious when you looked at the whole game, yeah. was Odell right when you watched the film? 
Were there opportunities for more deep shots against a very crappy injured secondary for the Eagles? Yeah, it's amazing the no names, okay? I don't think my take is going to be a lot different than what some of the things you just said, okay? First of all, let me just – I'll write real quickly what I wrote about the second half, and we'll get into the first half and what they did. I mean, I wrote, the first thing I wrote about the second half is Giants came out in the second half with same game plan. You know why? Because it fucking worked in the first half. You know what I mean? So they weren't going to change and just go. And what was it? Damn, we dominated everything. Pound was, with Saquon? It was. It was really pa- pound with Saquon, some undisciplined run fits by your defense. You guys don't believe in setting the edge or doing stuff like that or like filling backside cutback lanes or anything like that. But, yes, there was that. Okay. So it was all Saquon early on. I would say the big issue with the second half would not be about missed opportunities in the past game, but more that, yes, yeah, Saquon didn't get the ball more. He was the MVP of the first half, so that does not make sense to me. But also, when you I say think, get the ball more, do you mean like that Wayne Gallman series? I mean, they the tried series, to get more run on every drive. Yeah, I, I mean, so, but, but so there's context that matters to what happened, too. So the first drive of the second half, he, there's a big sack. He gets sacked. He lost a lot, a lot of yards. So there they are right away. It was like third and 19 or second and 19 those are it was those third are it was like third and um third and 18 right and and when the giants are in third and 18 they just give up yeah they give up right and which which listen there's a lot of teams that yeah. do so there's nothing wrong with that they're not going to play that game they don't trust eli okay the second drive they come back they got a huge complete completion to Corey coleman he's going to catch a slam yes. round and and a big penalty and it, it was actually a drop on this one he dropped this one so this is a big drop by coleman on the second drive so I don't know if anything changed a whole lot in the second half from what the Giants Giants approach. I don't think anything. I think the Eagles, you guys w- played harder and better up front. You they won did. a few more of those battles. Jenkins took a said few chances here and there. They, Jenkins said they went to the locker room and simplified the defense. I, I would say so. You guys definitely played a few more snaps of man-to-man. Didn't try to be cute. Just let your front four pin their ear backs and, and go. Jernigan got some snaps Jernigan did, did really well. I mean, of course, Michael Bennett had a few moments, and Fletcher Cox always does. So I think that was the biggest one. But Barkley not getting the ball in the second half. Um, you know, LeBlanc getting away with not one holding oh, penalty, yeah. but two. I mean, there on was one touch, on There was play. one on the, earlier in the fourth quarter where Sterling Shepard ran a slant route off a little play-action pass. I mean, it's going to be a 20-yard gain. And he held Sterling Shepard just like he held Odell. It was a very similar type of thing. I'm an Eagles fan. That was huge. The refs were really bad. Then. Yeah, it did not help. Um, but overall, yeah, I don't agree with the take of Odell Beckham Jr. on that one. You know, they came out with a game plan. It worked. The second half didn't go as planned. I thought Eli Manning really was pretty aggressive in his decision-making for Eli Manning, about as aggressive as he can be. Okay. And, you know, when then the matchups were there to be had with Odell, they, for the most part, took them. Mm. There was maybe one or two plays where I was like, why are you trying to throw to Benny Fowler over here when Odell's one-on-one over here? Well, that was my issue is when I just look at the play log and I see the second drive of the second half. Yeah. Wayne Gallman's in for five snaps. Right. And the main target is Corey Clement or yeah, Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman. Guys, Saquon is 22. He does not need to sit out an entire series. And also, if you're going to look for Corey Coleman, you might as well put Odell Beckham at that spot. I know. We're at a point with this offense where if it's not going to those two guys, Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram, the play should not be being run. I, I hear you. You I have you. three star. You have two and a half stars. They do their best. Those guys are going to have to come out of the game sometime. So. Saquon. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. He runs. Right. 
They pass. Eli gets sacked. Right. Draw play. He goes on the sideline. Eagles then take a, like a three, four minute drive and drive down. You're telling me after halftime yeah. and running two plays, right. we need to sit Saquon? Yeah, no, I, I don't no. agree with that. You're right. And, and let me just tell you something. Wayne Gallman is not the guy. He's okay, yeah. but like we're get, we're taking away snaps from Saquon for what reason? Yeah, for I mean, what reason? I mean, you could. I, I, I get you. I get you. They should have given him more touches. There's no. There's no denying you're gonna that. You're going to set him for an entire that, series. Our point is that I mean, that not 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 that Odell was right. Odell, I don't think is right with his take about what they did in the second half. It's the fact of what you're saying more than anything that Saquon didn't get the ball more, was not featured more. He was obviously a mismatch problem. He was having a phenomenal day in finding cutback lanes. Yes, he was and us bouncing that. outside. I mean, so you run him in the middle every run in the second half, pretty much. Yeah, Isn't I that mean, funny? It, it is. It is. I don't know. There's no other way I can defend it either way. And I Pat, really can't. Pat Shermer said afterwards, "Look, we got messed up by some penalties yep. and by two sacks." Right. And everyone said, "Yeah, right. Well, that's exactly no, what that's happened." That's what in the happened. Half. You know, the, the NFL. When you're not a good team, those things matter. Like yeah. you, you can't overcome them. Not everybody's Drew Brees and Sean Payton or Brady and McDaniel's who they can go. We got a cool screen that'll get us right back on track. That's we call my those G bot plays. G-Bots, get back on track. Oh, I like that. Yeah. But that was another thing. I go, man, any screen to Saquon would have me freaking out, and they didn't call any of those. No, they did not. I mean, this to me, if we just had to pick one thing that ruined the game or changed the game, I mean, you guys played good in the second half. We know that. But the interception before the half is really where the demise of the Giants started. Right there. The game's 19-11. You're in field goal range, okay? And... That was one of the worst interceptions of the year. It's about as bad an interception as you're going to see from a 16-year quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he had no business throwing that ball. I mean, Odell did get raked across the face He got mask. raked. It didn't matter, It didn't though. matter because no. the ball was already intercepted. It was already intercepted. I mean, Jenkins was sitting there. He was about to, like, you know, tell the right fielder, like, I got it, I got yeah. it. I mean, it was all there. You know, so I just I don't understand that decision making, let alone that Saquon Barkley was open in the flat. I think it was Barkley, maybe it was Gallman. It was Barkley and he had twenty yards. I mean, he just- had a lot of room. Right. So to me, that was a huge point in the football game that really kind of uh, you know swung the pendulum a little bit in, in the Eagles' way. Um I'm just trying to think if there's anything else there. That I mean, it's amazing with some of your secondary guys. You got some no names at corner. It's Ugh. unreal. I mean, your back seven is just very underwhelming as a whole. And the the Eagles' season is still, still alive. alive. All they have to do is beat the Washington Redskins twice, the Cowboys once, and then steal a game from the Texans, and they could be nine and seven going in the playoffs. It just would be a miracle. They ain't got it. I know they, they ain't got it. it. I mean, you're exactly right. It's just too. It's way. If I have another person asking me what's wrong with Carson Wentz, too, like I just want to be like. Gosh, are you watching what I – I mean, come on. There's, It's every play is sit back there. Nobody's going to be open. Just hang in there. Hang in there. When somebody's finally about to bring you back, bring you down, then try to throw it in there. Throw a strike too, okay? I mean, what he's being asked to do on a play-to-play basis is not fair. He's starting to go into Rodgers and Aaron uh, and Russell Wilson land right now. You know, the good thing I saw is what did we see from your run game? Okay. Josh Adams. Josh Adams is the guy. 
He's the guy. Good, good uh, vision by you to see him being a, a possible weapon. I, I have my moments. You know, at least the thing that he does is he has a little explosion as yeah. far as when he gets going. You can see his top end speed is, and he's a north and south runner. And he is. He does not dance. Does like the not other guys. dance. And when you guys, it holds true once again. When you guys run the ball downhill, you're such a more effective offense. Almost every successful run you had was downhill. All the bad ones were east and west. Um, but yeah, it, I just can't imagine you guys are in a in a bad spot. Want to hear an incredible stat? Yeah. Today, yeah, is the first day since 1933 that the Eagles Giants rivalry is tied. Oh, I knew it was close. I remember hearing this. Six and two, right? And for people out there that do not know. It was never this close. No. The Giants have been kicking the crap out of the Eagles for decades. That just shows you how dominant the Eagles have been over the Giants lately. Yeah. Nine out of the last 10. I would uh, say it was 18 of the last 22. Right. Like, think about that. They've won 18 of the last 22, and now they're tied. Right. That's how big of a lead the Giants had. On. I bet you. I, I would. It's actually a fun thing to look up. I would like to know like what the stats were when my dad was playing because that's when they, it got swung too with that defense you had there. I mean, the Giants were really good, but let's. I'm just trying to think. I mean, man, yeah, the Eagles had their way with the Giants. I think that yeah. But either way, it is amazing. I'm also going to say this to all fans of all teams. I'm experiencing something right now that I didn't realize when you win a Super Bowl. Every broadcaster the next season is obsessed with talking about what's wrong with the Super Bowl champs, dethroning the Super Bowl champs. Let's examine the mistakes of the Super Bowl champs. I just want to tell you to all the broadcasters out there. I'm just so annoyed with it. And it's like all these Eagles fans are freaking out. Man, we won the Super Bowl. I do not care. Yeah, and added to that, what you're saying, so that's playing the Jedi mind tricks on your own team. Right. And then think about this team that has to play you guys. They have to hear the same thing. You're playing the Super Bowl chance. So so your side's getting complacent, and the other team's going, we better play wood. We're playing the Super Bowl champs. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just part of the human nature of the sport. What do you think about the stories about how the Eagles are having a hard time getting Golden Tate involved in the offense? I, I mean, I agree. I was just going to go there next. I mean, first of all, you How does that happen? Well, it's you don't have an offense for a slot receiver. There's no... There's never been like an offense for the slot receiver. Why? Because it's more of like a tight end, a guy doing a slant, and then an like, it's RPO. Just, yeah, you don't have no option jerk routes like we see. You know, the Rams or the Saints or the Patriots have, where you just go, "Hey, Golden Tate, we trust you to read the coverage over the middle. If it's zone and there's a hole, you sit there. If a guy tries to match you, you can cross his face and run across. You have no part That's of that not in the way your their offense. offense works. It does not. And they really need to add that if they want to get Golden Tate involved. That's where he made his money with mm. Matt Stafford he can catch those little six and seven yard passes turn it up get an extra five or six yards and now you get a first down that's really the beauty of Golden Tate and I'll say this too for defending Philadelphia coaches and all this Golden Tate I, and I'm wrong in my evaluation of this well he's a step slower than I feel like I remember him with Detroit he is he's a step slower for sure but either way it's not an offense that is doing a good job of featuring him in any which way either. They need to find ways for him to do that. It can't always be Ertz over the middle in those situations. If your GM trades for him right. and then your coaching staff comes out and says it's been hard to adjust him in, yeah. does that show a, an issue in communication? It does show a little disconnect there, yes. you know, Because you would like your GM to go, hey, we're thinking about Golden Tate. 
you know, do you feel like you can use them the right way? Or it's, hey, we're going to trade for Golden Tate because we just feel like we need the improvement of the receivers. And then the coaches during the bye week got to go, you know what? We need to add some slot Golden Tate type of plays to our offense. So they're really just trying to fit them in. They are just trying to run their offense. Normal crap. Too that many... seems like bad coaching to me. I, it, it's not great right now on either side of the ball. I can't sit here and lie. And you know I kind of root for your Eagles to a degree. There's a I lot of things that I admire, but... Too many repeat plays, too many simple concepts. I mean, even the fourth down conversion play. Fourth over the middle. Snagalar. The, I mean, you yeah. got. It's, I'm going to say the third time you've run that during the game. I, I couldn't believe the Giants run all over it. I mean, it's double crosser with a guy going 10 yards over the middle and hooking up. I mean, you guys run that four or five times a game. And that wasn't the same way last year? No, last year you had your staple of plays, but you had, which I think, you know, I'm not trying to be the oracle here. You and I have both seen this. But you had like six or seven plays every game where you said, that's a good game plan play right there. Mm. They put that in just for this week to fuck with this defense and do that. And we're seeing that the Colts and Frank Reich have those plays and your Eagles don't. Colts have it every freaking week. I know. He's a game planner. He really is. He is a game planner. All right. Um, was there anything else from that game I was going to move on to Seahawks-Panthers? No, I think that was it. Seahawks-Panthers. Seattle goes into Carolina, who is who this year has scored a lot more points at home. Seattle in this game, it's an up and back game. They get the big time fourth and three lob at the 35 to more to tie it up at 27. The Panthers miss a 52 yarder. Wilson hits Lockett on the deep ball down the sideline, and Janikowski kicks the field goal to win 30 to 27. And Seattle is sitting here now right. with five games, a lot of them winnable, a lot of them at home. Seattle, in my mind, is what is either going to be the five or the six seed. As I look around the NFC right now, Minnesota is going to be one of them, I think, or up for one of them. Carolina, huge win for Seattle, and Green Bay. And I think Green Bay's out. Like, who else is there? The Eagles. And I don't think that they're going to be. So I think it'd be it's like a three person race between Carolina, Seattle, and Minnesota. And Washington's still there. And I don't think they're going to make it either. Yeah, I hear you. That's, I'm just writing off. Yeah, okay. I think Dallas is winning this division, unfortunately. But I look at it and I go, Carolina, Seattle, Minnesota. Looks like Minnesota and Seattle to me. Certainly does look that way. So do you want to start off with Seattle or Carolina? Like a note there first. What stuck out to you the most? All right. I think Well, let's just start out with the Carolina offense versus Seattle defense. Okay. okay? First of all, as a complete game. Okay, this is going to be my bold statement for this game. This is one of the biggest butt whoopings of a team I've seen lose all year. It was a butt whooping. They had their way with Seattle. Every um, time I looked up, it was DJ Moore for 30, Curtis Samuels for 30. McCaffrey flying through the middle. McCaffrey had over 100 yards rushing I, and receiving. They whooped the crap out of Seattle's defense. I mean, whooped the crap out of them. There was never a point in the game where I said, oh, Seattle's going to slow them down. Never. Except first drive for Carolina. Fourth and three on the five. Cam Newton, power run. Doesn't get it. I thought the camera angles were bad. They I were. thought he actually did get I mean, it. Very close. Certainly. But he didn't get the challenge. Right. Then. And added to that, bad run. You're not Le'Veon Bell. Run. He stopped in the hole and tried to wait for a hole. It's Seattle. They're too fast. There's not going to be a hole. You just got to put your head down and plow through it. Second Carolina drive. Right. Go through it. Stopped inside the five again. Settles for a field goal. They missed a third and short, so they kick a field goal. So there they are. They've dominated the first two drives. And they're only three three nothing. Right. Let's go to the second quarter. Seahawks get a field goal. Third drive. So after all that, we're three to three. Third drive. 
Curtis Samuel gets the reverse 25 yards. They did get a touchdown there. But so we go into halftime, it's 13-10. Right. It's the third quarter, though. Cam Newton throws an interception in the end zone. Right. And that was where I saw three red zone trips that ended up in three points. Yeah. Can't I, do that and win a game. No, you 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 really can't. I mean, okay, so there, yeah, you have your your first drive, second drive you just talked about. Carolina third drive is the worst play of the game by McCaffrey. McCaffrey got a first down screen and got nine yards, and he should have got fifty nine. And he got he made the one of the dumbest cuts I've saw on Sunday. I mean, he ran into Bobby Wagner, mm. and then they tried to run it on second and didn't get it, and they tried to run it on third and didn't get it, and they had to punt it. That was mm. really one of the only stops of the day by Seattle. Fourth drive of the game. Yes, uh, four, TD pass. Um, Curtis Samuel. Yeah, exactly right. Right down the field. Can't, I mean, they can't stop Couldn't him. be stopped. Fifth drive. Inside the 10-yard line they go, kick a field goal. Okay? So first half, I mean, it is an ass-beating and. There it is. And what'd you say it was? 13 to 10 and a half or 10 to 10? 10 and a half. 13 to 10 and a half. I mean, sixth drive. They got first and 10 from the 18 yard line. You talked about it already. Interception interception. down the middle. Stupid decision. Um, Very next drive for Seattle is the crazy Chris Carson flip. Let me just go. Yes. Let me just just go on Carolina's offense. I'm just saying that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when they get the ball next, now it's 17 13 Seattle. Right. So after all this. They're down, having moved the ball at will between the 20s. Right, and then they get the ball back, and they go right down the field again. Touchdown, Christian McCaffrey. Eight plays, 75-yard drive. 20-plus yard screen. Right. And they get it done. They caught, what, was that the one he threw the little swing pass out to the right to McCaffrey? And then it was a pass, pass, yeah, big screen, and then the pass interference in the end zone, and they punched it. Right. Eighth drive, five plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 27-20. Right. That was the 60-yard run by Christian McCaffrey on the first play of that drive. Exactly. And then the ninth drive was go down there, and they missed a field goal. And they moved the ball easily on that drive. They did. DJ Moore, the whole drive. Right. So that was one of the more impressive offensive performances I've seen all year. And there they were in the moment of the game. Yeah, they could have had 44 they, I mean, where I was just like, wow. I mean, I, you, you, so when you watch film, and of course I knew how the game went, but you look up and you go – Hey, I'm going to look at the scoreboard here as I'm watching film. It's going to say 20 to three, and I'm like, "Whoa, it's three to three. Whoa, it's ten to ten. I mean, that was uh, unbelievable in itself. Then you flip it over to the other side, and I mean, Seattle really did nothing schematically to help. It was a true game of the Jimmys and the Joes beat the X's and the O's. I mean, it was Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, David and Moore, David Moore, and Chris Carson, and Chris Carson. They just made some plays and some really huge moments. There was never really a play all game long on Seattle's offense where I said, oh, the scheme got him open. It was, no, this guy beat the man man-to-man on yep. a route. Yep. Or Russell bought, bought time and or made an Lord unbelievable throw. jumped over a guy. Exactly Carson right. Carson run over a guy. Exactly right. So from a team-on-team aspect, Carolina <laughs> won the battle in a big way. But Russell Wilson's ability – and then some of the clutchness of some of the defensive players in those big situations, whether it was Nazir Jones busting through the line or Bobby Wagner making a big tackle. Um, uh, Seattle players just made big plays and some big moments, and that was really all it boils down to. That's how you feel? That's how I feel. I mean, I, I, I don't come away from that game going, oh, I feel much better about Seattle. I still like Seattle, but I still have questions. Their defense is not special. I leave Carolina going, damn, this is the second week in a row you guys found a way to lose. I mean, they let that Thursday night blowout against the Pittsburgh Steelers just snowball the three in a row now. 
you know, where they could have won a game last week in Detroit. That was a close football game. They messed up some situational football on that, missed the field goals. I get that. This week, they don't execute in some certain crucial situations as well and lose that game. And then ultimately, what came back to get Carolina is one of the weaknesses we've always talked about with Carolina. They dominated literally every aspect of the game except for one area that we always kind of question. And Dante Jackson wasn't out there to play yesterday. He wasn't? But, no. They need another true cover guy. You know, it's just when David Moore or Lockett or Baldwin, Seattle basically just said, the hell with their offense. It's one-on-one outside. Russell, throw piss missiles, and we'll catch them. And that's really what it came down to. And then Wilson, I mean, fourth and three, bomb. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Because third and three, he threw the bomb to Moore, didn't get it, and I went, I can't believe he threw that on third and three. Get the first down. Fourth and three, he threw it again. Ball's in the air, and I go, Josh, what the hell is he doing? Caught, I go, that was incredible. Incredible. But Man-to-man matchup. Are the Seahawks, uh, do you believe that they could go to the playoffs? I do believe they can go to the playoffs, yes. I don't think they can make a real run in the playoffs. I don't expect that. I will say this. We said if there's one team that can exceed expectations, it's Seattle. Because if everybody remembers what the the talk was about them before the year, they lose a legion of boom. Earl Thomas, all that nonsense. Their offensive line is going to be awful. They got Brian Schottenheimer calling the plays. But you said... They have Pete Carroll. Yep. They have Russell Wilson. Yeah. And they're they have a run game. Out, and they have right. a run game. Right. And they're going to figure it out. And when you look at Seattle's schedule down the stretch, it gives you a lot of confidence compared to everybody else. Right. Home against San Francisco. Whew. Home against the Vikings. At San Francisco. Home against the Chiefs. Home against the Cardinals. Yeah. So four out of your five are home. Yep. Three of those games are against three of the worst teams in the NFL. It's because they're in your division, the NFC West. And you get the Vikings and Chiefs at home. Right. And the Vikings, they match up with really well. Very, They're similar teams, really. They're, They're both lobbing up to your guy teams. Exactly right. And I trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Kirk Cousins. I understand and that. And I trust the kicker more. Right. After what, what week's I saw. that Kansas City game? Week 16. I mean, they, they could, could get be lucky. Done. Kansas City might be playing for nothing. It might say, we don't even give a damn. You know, now I'll also equally say to that to those points that Seattle could very easily lose to the Forty ers You know what I mean? They don't expect them to. No, 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 no. But they don't have a dominant defense or anything like that this year. And if their run game doesn't work, it does become Russell Wilson's showtime, which he's capable of delivering more times than not. But I don't know if he will really be able to do that against the NFL elite. Few little nuggets of news notes before we get to Lions Bears. Yeah. Andy Dalton out for the year, season ending IR thumb surgery. Mm. The ba- the Bengals evaporated real quick after really they started quick. like five, two, right? five, and three. Um I wonder if this will be the end for him. What? Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, the end for him as a starter. If I'm in Cincinnati, I am getting to the point again where, okay, it's been solid, but are we just gonna sit here in solid land forever? Or do we want to go somewhere? But doesn't that start with Marvin? Yeah, I'm not saying him either. I'm just trying to say I do wonder about the future of Andy Dalton with the Bengals and where it goes from here. I, I do. have to look up his country yeah, situation yeah. now. Um, Jack Doyle expected to be put on IR after an uh, injury against uh, the Dolphins. Hmm. And then um, the only other thing is that the NFL draft will air on ABC. Ooh. They'll show all three days of the draft anchored by the college game day crew. Oh. Can I do a little media stuff? Sure. Boy, am I so excited to hear who's the Michigan guy? 
Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard breakdown NFL scheme and where guys are going to fit. Like Kirk Herbstreet is fine, but these guys don't understand the NFL. It's you have Mel Kuyper for a reason. Yeah. You have a guy that studies this and knows this and just give me Mel Kuyper and Lewis Riddick. And you know what? It's just a perfect example. Television networks continue to do things that they think you're going to like. And you know what you like? You like Sims and Lefko and Miller doing the draft. And that's what it'll be. So screw these guys because they're all bums. Well, I'll say this. Like, I hear you. I mean, um, Herb Street has a great feel for college football. He's going to be able to tell you about all these players. Reese Davis is a very good host. But they're going to tell me about how the coach loves them. You're right. Mel Kuyper should be on the set with Lewis Riddick. 100% right about that. I don't care if what they're like in college. Right. You know why? Because I, I'm watching Ed Ogeron on Saturday night only wearing a headset because people yell at him if he doesn't wear right. a headset because all he does is get the team around and go, play harder! That's his only way that he coaches. Yeah. And, I, and I go, so you're going to tell me that LSU players who barely understand scheme and don't understand coaching and they always flourish in the NFL because they have no coaching in college, that you're going to give me a college expert that's not going to that's not going to understand that i agree i think the thing you said to start was really one of the, th- the best things about it that they're just going to repeat what the coaches say yeah that's what happens in college football a little too much for me well i was not. talking to urban meyer well guess what urban meyer is a liar so right. like i don't really care what urban meyer exactly says right I unless you're watching the film and speaking to nfl gms i do not care if you watch college football yeah Oh, the coaching staff. He was always such a hard worker. Okay. Wow. Uh, well, I know. I know. Des- I, could care I heard less. Desmond making a case for Michigan still should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame this year before the Ohio State debacle. I wanted to be like, what? Timeout. Does that mean Lee Corso is going to be telling me about c- no, prospects? No, I don't think so. I don't it think says so. the college game day. Maybe group. he's just going to put on the mascot hat for each pick. <laughs> the Chargers picked him. He's going to put a bolt on. I'm getting real cocky now that I've sat next <laughs> you to you. You are. You are. Coming for your It's next. only the number one pregame show in all of sports. In all of what sport? I don't know. Football. Which football? College football. Perfect. It's probably got better ratings than any of the NFL pregame shows, still. Well, have you seen them? You want me to go on that <laughs> rant? How dare you speak about my father like that? Didn't say I was talking about CBS. <laughs> Why are you so sensitive? Um, Matt's. Oh, quick stat about Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I think this was from Sam Monson at PFF. He's played 97% of the Panthers' offensive snaps this season. Right. Todd Gurley has played 84. Mm. This is insane running back percentage uses out of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And to everyone that said, I don't know if he can handle a load as a main running back, he's handling a load of a running back that we haven't even seen before. Right. He can run in the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. He's the best mismatch nightmare. One of the best. Yeah, he's in in that combo. He's up there with the Camaras and the Girlies. Sure. That when you split them out wide, pray for your life. Exactly. If you're a linebacker, you're done. Screen games, anything like that. You're 100%. I just thought that stat was crazy. It is crazy. It really It's a tribute to him. It's a tribute to him not only physically and what he does to take care of his body, but, you know, again, it's a tribute to him with with the, the great job he does of not let letting have or taking on too many car crash hits. I think that's the thing you got to look at. Bears played the Lions on yep. Thursday, right? And a lot of people went, oh, Mitchell Trubisky's out. The Lions are going to kick their ass. And I'm in a car with 
three of the golf broadcasters and they're going, oh man, I didn't know Trubisky wasn't playing. The Lions are going to win that one. And I said, guys, for most of these teams, the backup quarterback and the starting quarterback, there's not that much different. I said, Chase Daniel has been in this system for five years. He's going to be fine. And they were fine. Yeah. But a lot of people were leaving going, what's up with Stafford? He looks awful. Right. I don't think it's crazy to say that this is the worst season that Matt Stafford has had, maybe in his career. There's no doubt. And I'm curious, after you watch the film, yeah. what the hell is happening right now? Okay, all right. So let's just start with the broad conversation of what's going on. I don't, You know me. I don't give a damn what the stats say. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's about what's there to be had. I don't care if a guy was 5 for 24, right? If those 19 incompletions, nobody's open, I'm not going to sit there and go, damn, that quarterback stinks. How dare he couldn't fit that ball into those covered guys like glue? I mean, no. I go, damn, oh, and those five passes, did he give his team the best chance to make a play? Did he throw it exactly where he needed to? Was it the right decision? All those type of things. So I don't look at stats. I don't really give a damn about it. I do know, just from my general outlook of the year, that it is Matthew Stafford's worst year of his career. There's no question about that. And I'm just talking about whether it's dumb interceptions or missed throws that I've seen him make where I've gone... What? Like, he just threw that sidearm 45 yards, and here the pocket's perfect, and there's somebody 15 yards in front of him wide open, and he missed the throw. Mm. I don't get that. Or, you know, or passes that are complete where the guy has to fall down to get it. He is off. Here would be my first overall assessment just of the season and why he's off. He has been like an and-one mixtape at quarterback, Okay. That's what the that's what he's been asked to play. <laughs> hey, give me the dipsy do, dribble do, cross your ankles, break your ankles, flip a roo, pass. And he's been like, all right, cool, just shotgun it and I'll get it done, guys. I mean, that's what he's been asked to do with the quarterback situation. Play street ball, basically. Hey, if you're open, shoot it, man. That's uh, that's our only rule. If you're open, you shoot it. That's this year, that's what it's been. That's been his whole career. That's been it's been. It's been just, hey, get in the shotgun. We're going to ride you. If you make a few mistakes, who cares? Keep shooting. Keep throwing. Just going to be honest. Right. If I saw an Am one mixtape tour and they were like, oh, hit him with the dipsy dude, Dunkaroo. I'd be like, man, this thing got corny quick. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what Hot happens sizzle. when you let me do it. No, but wait. So, so that's the way it's been. It's been and one street ball mixtape. Right. Hey, just drop back. We can't run. We three can't Three wide receivers, and we're going to throw 3-0 Riddick out there. Everybody just run. Throw Ebron out there, and right. Matt will find somebody. Matt will throw a rifle around, and yeah. you know we'll probably let up a touchdown on defense, but you'll get the ball back, and we'll ask you to do yeah, it again. Yeah, yeah. He's been Now they're going, we want five passes on every – you're not allowed to shoot the ball unless you have five. I mean, it's like they're back to Hoosiers, okay? Or it's Krzyzewski. I mean, whatever you want to say. Now he's being asked to play this structured game. It's a culture shock. It is, even for somebody as good as him and has been around as long as him. He's now being. Patricia's saying, I want to lean on my defense and be smart. I run on the offense. ball and I want to play situational football the correct way. And that's, it's a hard way to play quarterback sometimes, especially when you've been just going, hey, if I'm open, I can shoot it, right? And he goes, yeah. Now this coach is going, no, we want five passes before you shoot anybody and shoots the, the ball. And what's the football? We want to run, run, pass. Yeah, we want to run, run, pass. If nothing's there, don't take a chance. Our defense will, I got a good scheme on this end, and we'll get the ball back, and you'll have another chance to execute, okay? And I do think that's part of the struggles you're seeing for Matthew Stafford. It's a true, truly one of the biggest cultural changes that any 
many players had to go through as I was thinking about this over the last like 24 hours. Really, there's really not. I and, still see people listing Jim Bob Cooter as a head coaching candidate. Yeah, that's insane. That is insane. I mean, uh, so to add to the conversation of this, hey, it's great. They have a little bit better O-line this year. Like, again, it's a better O-line. This is still the same O-line that led up 10 sacks three weeks ago against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, just because, you know, okay, just because there wasn't a ton of sacks in the game the other day, he was under pressure a lot. Khalil Mack pushed his guy back into his face and in the pocket a lot. And added to that, their best players not playing. Kerryon Johnson wasn't out there, okay? Marvin Jones is out for the year. Marvin Jones is the only guy to really be scared of of a big play on that team. Not even Kenny Galladay? No, he is not. Kenny Galladay is really good. If you and me watched film... I just go. I would go. Tell me when Kenny Galladay is really open. He makes some great catches when he's contested, um, but he's not open. Marvin Jones gets Marvin open, open. O- Jones at least can take the run by people. So Galladay Galladay's more of a lob ball. He's more of a yes covered. He's physical presence over the middle. He might break an arm tackle. He's a really good player. I'm not trying to downgrade yeah. him, but he's not a guy where defenses are going. Damn, if we don't double Galladay or put our best corner on him, we're screwed this week. Yeah. So there's not a lot of help around him. Okay, I mean, they went into that game with Galladay and TJ Jones, and I can't even remember. Oh, Bruce Ellington, career journeyman. Oh, my. Why couldn't they move the ball but against Chris, the best Bruce, defense in football? But Chris Why? Bruce Ellington played basketball in South Carolina, too. <laughs> yeah, that's so. You know, again, it's a bad year. It's a culture of change. I really do think he's going through this. Hey, in my mind, he's put enough money in the bank to earn himself one year of being somewhat of a fuck-up. So he's carried big, this team. Your big thing is, yeah. for almost a decade, right. it was Matt Stafford score as many points as you can. And in a time in which his wide receiving core is decimated, his starting running back is gone, right. and he's with an offensive coordinator that's not that imaginative, he also has a head coach that's going, don't throw as much. Right. And Don't even take a chance on this rat if you see this. I know that you're away. crazy Stafford. Right. We're going to change who you are. Exactly. So all of that's happening at the same time. Yes. That's my take. I don't know that, but I'm just telling you as a quarterback, I, I know in my career when I got around Josh McDaniels in Denver, I learned things that I had never learned before, and I certainly wasn't Matt Stafford. And, yeah, I think it's just a total – change of pace. He's gone from being the Golden State Warriors on that offense, right? To now he's with the 1993 Knicks and Pat Riley. And they he's going, through the post. We were scoring 130 a game and now we're scoring 74. Yeah, like, and you're going to like it. Right. We're and we're going to hold them to 72. Right, exactly. That's what he's being asked to do. That game played out perfectly just so everybody knows that there. That was as good as the Lions could do in that game. He threw a bad pick. They yeah. blitzed him. He tried to throw a hot route. Eddie Jackson made a play. Hey, they get players, too. They get paid over there in Chicago last time I checked. And he made a bad pick. That was it. Someone said this online. I can't remember who, and I, yeah. I apologize for stealing their stuff. But everyone is saying that Aaron Donald is the clear-cut favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. The last defensive back to win Defensive Player of the Year was 2010, Troy Polamalu. Yeah. 63 tackles, one sack, seven interceptions, one forced fumble, one touchdown. Right. Eddie Jackson has 38 tackles, one sack, two forced fumbles, four interceptions, and three touchdowns. Special. He's a special player. He's got a great knack for everything. Should he be in the mention for Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, 
No. He'll be one of the three guys that gets on the screen with Aaron Donald. Maybe. Exactly right. I mean, first of all, there's he's not even going to be the lead guy on his own defense. Yeah, we know 52 is going there, right? Yeah. Okay. He's really good. I mean, their whole defense is really good. But I can just tell you from playing Troy Palomalo and preparing for him, whether it was a starter or a backup, is a very special individual. And what they, the greatness of those Steelers defenses, a lot were because of what Palomalo could do and bring right. to the game plan on a weekly basis. Eddie Jackson's just playing his role, and he does well. He's not the game changer of Palomalo was, but regardless, those stats are actually very impressive. I didn't realize. All right, they were that so good. let's do yep. great moments in gambling this week with Adam Lefko, and we're going to start off. Both of us got lucky with the Patriots. Don't know if you guys saw this. Patriots were up 14. I took the Patriots? We both did. The line. I had a root for you to not win the Patriots. Right. That's what I was Patriots were favored by nine and a half. Jets with like two minutes left. Drive down first and ten first and goal inside the five. And the Patriots stop them four plays in a row. <laughs> if they scored, it would have made it seven. Right. Patriots got the stop. And they cover the spread. Great moment in gambling. How much money did you have on that one? Like 300 Damn, that's why I was rooting for the Jets to cover. One. This one, I was scared. Sims went with the Raiders. I went with the Ravens. Right. Ravens were favored by 10 and a half. And they're up... They're, they're up 20, I was feeling good about it at some point. They're up 27 to 17 late in the fourth. They're up 10. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, the Ravens aren't going to go down and score again. They've already gotten one of their scores on a punt return. So the offense really wasn't that great. Right. And I'm going, damn it, they're going to win this game by 10. Well, what do you know? Terrell Suggs, fumble recovery for a touchdown. They go up 34-17. to 17, And that is a great moment in gambling. But it was also bad for you. Yeah. But it's one of those games, it's one of those plays where the common fans going, oh, that iced it. You have no idea. Right. That just swung millions of dollars right. because of that play. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Oh. Falcons Saints. Oh. Sims said, I don't think that the Saints can win by 13. Right. Adam said, I bet your ass they can. <laughs> and I'll say the big play on that fourth quarter. Calvin Ridley oh. hit across the middle. He's going for the end zone. Mark Lattimore punches the ball Fumble. out, fumbles. They were up 14. It kept it at 14, and the Saints held on. A great moment Gosh. in left coat gambling. I got very lucky this week. So they what the, I'm saying is, is like the weeks going forward, you're going to realize you're going to get lucky. On of course, some of these. I am. I, I know that. Bears Lions. What did they fumble three times inside the 20 yard line? Oh, it's not Julio and then Matt Ryan, right? Yeah. Falcons were. Yeah, I was. I was like in a, a tryptophan tequila uh, <laughs> trance at that point. So yeah. I, I just had to research my brain for that. Bears Lions. Right. Both of us took the Bears minus three and a half. Oh yeah. It's sixteen sixteen. And there's the pick six by Eddie Jackson. Damn. But hold on. Not so fast. The Lions are driving oh, down with less gosh. than two minutes left. And Stafford throws another interception, keeping it at six or at seven and covering the spread. We got lucky there. Yep. A great one. Yeah. But I'm ending it with one that we didn't get so lucky. The Washington, the oh, Dallas Cowboys yeah. are up thirty-one to twenty. Right. 
which means they're up 11. Right. And they're favored by seven and a half. We both took Washington to cover the seven and a half. If Washington kicks a field goal, we're screwed. Yeah. Because if it gets to eight, it's over. Right. We need them to get the touchdown. Across the middle, third and five, Jordan Reed hit at the 11, face-to-face, no penalty. It's amazing it wasn't called. Unbelievable. Yep. And they settle for a field goal, and we both lose. They lose by eight. Right. And the line was seven and a half. Ooh. You took a beating. You had 300 on Washington. Ooh. Yep, that hurt me. But those are five plays that right. show you. Don't gamble. The game is in the balance. Yes. And you're relying on a fumble return for a win, a goal line stand. You're freaking out about a penalty that's not called. Right. A goal line fumble by Calvin Ridley. Right. And an interception. And that's gambling. Yeah, that is gambling. And Isn't that crazy? It's worse than ever now in the NFL. I mean, it's worse than ever, I would think. You know, the offense is never out of a game. You know, it's just, it's it's one of my, I actually sat there knowing that situation with the Redskins game. Of course, rooting for the score because I want to get my bleacher dollars. But at the same time, when they didn't call the penalty, I was a very big part of me that was very happy about that. That shit's got to end. Oh, the automatic penalty? Yeah, but that one was blatant. I, I, that I was understand. face to face. That, you know, the quarterback's got to start taking a blame for getting his guy's head torn off. There used to be a day and age where the quarterback would feel guilty when his guy got knocked out and they had to put him on a paddy wagon. Like, now it's just like, ah, screw him. Put him on the paddy wagon. Get the next guy there. Free 15 yards, right? Fuck his concussion rate. We want to keep playing. It's my issue with the NFL right now in general. It's my number one problem. Is quarterbacks not caring about... Well, that... And there's there's no game out of reach. Like, I read these articles last week. Oh, the NFL scoring is up. Passing yards is up. The closeness of the games in the fourth quarter, it's it's never been so close. Of course, it's always going to be that way. Have you not watched the Big 12 football? It's going to be the same thing in the NFL. I mean, quarterback throws the ball in the triple coverage. Pass interference, defense, 30 free yards. Quarterback's got pressure, incompletion. Oh, somebody touched his neck. 15 yards, too hard of a hit on the quarterback. Quarterback throws the ball down the middle of the field, shouldn't do it. Receiver's going to get decapitated. Who cares? 15 yards, unnecessary roughness. Games are going to be close because of that. That's why I just think we got to be careful where we go in the NFL. The game could have been close. Right. If Amari Cooper didn't go off for like 190 Bam. yards rushing and receiving. What? I heard someone talking about that John Gruden is not able to communicate with Amari Cooper, but Garrett can. Mm. Because Garrett is welcoming, and he's supportive, and he's the clapper, and he's going to sit down with Amari and he's got go, a great way about him. You're the man, Amari. Right. We need you, Amari. Right. He's Shashevsky. He's not going to put any pressure, added pressure on him. Too. What I mean by Shashevsky is when we hung out with Garrett that one time, he spent a good part of the summer meeting with Coach K with Romo right. and going, how do you communicate with athletes? Gruden is still running 1997. Exactly. Jason Garrett's trying to go, Zeke, it's okay if you party, buddy. Yeah. Just give me the goods. Yeah, right, the goods. right. I saw Amari look in the camera and talk trash. I saw Amari Cooper on the bench during the game with Cole Beasley laughing it up. I I never saw that. Never saw it. I know. How much more viable is this Cowboys team now with Amari Cooper? At least they got the formula that we know and we've talked about over the last four years. A guy that can take a slant and go. That's right. I mean, it's back to, you know, Romo, Des Bryant, DeMarco Murray, or Ezekiel Elliott, Des Bryant, you know, Dak Prescott, whatever year you want to choose, but that was the formula. And I, I mean, yeah, those were special plays. It shows you that scenery change can help players. 
right? Getting around a new, whatever it is, theme song, new theme within the organization, just having a few coaching points set a different way to you. And you go, oh, that makes sense to me. Okay, so that's what I need to do. You know, just being around coaches that you feel like have confidence in you as opposed to the last place where they're, you know, like you're saying, who knows, not communicating well or constantly putting pressure on them, whatever it may be. But we see it a lot where guys change places and then become a better player than where they were. So there is some truth to that. But, man, the Seattle – I mean, the Cowboys – I mean, I, there was, I looked at – their ballers balled out in the most big big moments. The two plays for Amari Cooper came in back-to-back drives. Then the subsequent drive after that was oh, sack, fumble, sack, fumble, Demarcus Lawrence – Followed by the great Dak Prescott run. That was incredible. And that really won the game for them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Zeke fact was a force the whole time. The whole time. Mark Colombo. I man. hate that we were right about them. Yeah, we were, we were right. I mean, we were spot on. And I did not think you were going to pick the Cowboys before the year. But yeah. they were, man, they're good. They, they have a lot of talent. They don't, need a, they don't need a complicated formula. Their defense just kind of beats you up. They Zeke do. pounds you. Right. Cooper can take it with man on man. Right. That's where I'm mad at myself to self-evaluate myself on that bet. I go, Thanksgiving week, making your first start, don't bet on a quarterback in that scenario. He's not getting any real reps. He's getting walkthrough reps. Just different. He threw some helicopters out there in the game. Who, Colt? Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. There was some, there was, two of those interceptions were very bad. I think that of all the teams in the NFL, one team had a perfect week, and that was the Patriots. Mm. Patriots beat the Jets, did not play at their best, yeah. but still won by double digits. Right. Steelers lose to the Denver Broncos, so they lose to a team that's not even in the playoff race. And they were competing for a bye. Chiefs lose to the Rams on Monday night. Melvin Gordon suffers an MCL sprain for the right. Chargers. And now he's going to be hobbled for the next few weeks. And they got to arrest him. So they're not going to be ready to go competing for a top two seed. The Patriots are now firmly in the number two spot. And only one game back of the Chiefs. Yeah. The team that they beat. Right. Chiefs could easily lose one more game. Mm-hmm. The Patriots we were talking about earlier, oh, man, they're going to have to play on the road in the playoffs. First time in a long time. They might not even get a bye. And in one week, yep. they're sniffing the one seed. Right. I mean, they won, what was it, seven in a row or six in a row? And we all like gave up on them for the Tennessee Titans game. But I, I would like to – I mean, we did – We did not. Well, we tried to talk sense into people by going their best O-lineman, Shaq Mason, who's one of the best guards in football, especially in the run game, he wasn't playing. Sony Michelle wasn't playing. Or if he was, he was less than 100%. Trent Brown got hurt. Oh, and the greatest tight end in the history of the sport wasn't playing. And now he's back. And not only is he awesome in the pass game, but, you know, we always talk about his ability to block in the run game. You know, they're, they have a special formula in which they play. They're cool to watch. I enjoy watching the Patriots this year. This I-formation, smash-your-face-and-run game. So I wrote it down that Tom looked crisp yesterday. Yes, he did. Josh Gordon's the clear number one. Yeah. Like, right. every time there's a big, big crosser, I told you, they'd go he's to looking at Josh right. Gordon. Right. Sony Michelle's ability to just slash up the gut really yeah. quick is right. an element that I haven't seen of them before. Yep. And it truly allows James White to be the off-pace guy. Right. But Edelman and Gordon crossers with Gronk up the middle, I, pick your poison. I don't know what you're going to do. I know. 
Crossers in the NFL are the easiest way to steal yards in football right now. I, I don't know why teams don't run multiple crossers every drive. Everybody wants to put all these people at the line of scrimmage to stop read option and jet sweep and all these things. And I watch film on TV on, on every week. And in fact, I'm going to show you this because I did this today. Here we go. Here's Panther Seahawks D. Just read that line right at the, the top. Top one. Top, so this is like your little top. note that you think Just about. Something, uh, Deep crossers open every time all over NFL. One, two, three, four, five underlines. It's everywhere. It's constant. And I go, man, that team just threw a deep crosser for 25 yards, and then they don't call the play again for, like, six more series. And I go, why? I don't understand Meanwhile, it. like, Rams, Chiefs, Saints, Patriots. Team. They'll just beat you to death with it. They'll go, wait, you didn't cover it? Oh, well, two plays. We'll call it again. Okay? Oh, you still didn't cover it? Three more. We're coming back with it again. But, yeah, I mean. Um, it was a big week for the Patriots. Big week. Going back to the point, yeah. Steelers lose. Yeah. Big Ben interception. Second week in a row, the last one got called back from a penalty, but Peyton, Steelers just had so many mistakes. The yeah. Xavier Grimble fumble into the end zone. The James Conner fumble when they're driving down there to pretty much win the game. Uh, just the, a lot of the Big Ben's interceptions were just Blocked bad. field goal. Blocked field goal. Missed wide open passes. Steelers are just a different team on the road. Man. They just they 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 screwed it up. They're 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 gonna be like worse than the Carolina Panthers today and go back and go, damn. How did we lose that game? Meanwhile, the Broncos in back-to-back weeks have beaten the Chargers and the Steelers yeah. and are 5-6 and six and I are know. somehow alive. Right. I mean, and they've lost to the Rams and the Chiefs twice. I mean, they've they had the toughest schedule in football maybe this they year. They have. You know, it's, it's brutal. But, yeah, the, I mean, the Steelers... They don't. I didn't come away that game feeling like, hey, great. It was the Broncos won. I know the Broncos are talented. Didn't make me feel any better about the Broncos or worse about the Steelers. Other than that, you know, the Steelers again in situational football. You okay? Yeah, just Josh. Josh just spoke in my ear about something I already know, and he it was just like, Bernie Dalton not for the year. And I was like, holy crap. So, uh, I, I thought you were like getting lightheaded or something. Um, but to scare the crap out of me. But the the end of the game. Again, was that not eerie similar to, like, Patriot game last year? Over-the-middle throw that gets intercepted? Like, so many things I have issues with at that end of the game. First of all, run the ball there. Run the ball one more time. Don't give Denver the chance to have the ball and go down and kick a game-tying or a game-winning field goal at that point. Don't do that. They had no timeouts. So run it again. Second thing is they're not an RPO team. They don't do RPOs, but now you're going to do it on the biggest play of the game over the middle and then fumble the snap and the exchange. Because you've never done it. And then try to throw it over the middle. And it was Pouncey dominated Shelby Harris. That's why he was back there. I mean, he wasn't dropping into coverage. He dominated him. You're telling me that the interception happened because Pouncey blocked too well. He blocked well, and Shelby gave up and was just basically like, okay, I'm done. And then he saw he was about to throw, and he said, shit, let me get in the passing lane, and it hit him in the chest. Wow. But regardless, it was going to be picked by Bradley Roby anyways. I mean, to me, that's where, like, they just got to fine-tune some of that. Does that mean they didn't have confidence in Connor there? I don't know what it means. I mean, it's, you know, James... He, the fumble was huge. He had the drop pass has last week. He's not been great the last few weeks. He is not. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Um, but I also look at Big Ben in that situation and just go, man, you played too much football in too many big moments to even let that one go. Yeah. Like, just throw it out of the back of the end zone then. Or just run forward. Or just go forward. Exactly right. Take a sack. Whatever it may be. I think Juju's faster than Antonio Brown. 
I I don't I, think Antonio Brown's taken two 97-yard touchdowns. It's I, I agree with you. It's close. Juju's deceiving because he's Juju? such a strong, powerful oh, runner. That run. And then yeah. to stiff-arm one guy Arr. into the other guy. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Juju's one of those guys, right? I mean, you've seen him in person. Yeah. The uniform does not do him justice. He's a much bigger I met man Juju than people realize. And I was like, oh, he's big. And I didn't appreciate how big he was right. until I met, like, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Juju's a lot bigger than you. Right. I almost had to meet other wide receivers, which means when I meet Julio, yeah. I'm going to be like, holy crap. Right. Like, right. Odell, I'm going to be like, you're so tiny. Yeah. Um, there is a chance that Eric Berry could be coming back soon. They need him. How big of a deal would that be if he, he was at like ninety percent? Huge. I mean, it's their biggest issue with their team. It's the it's why I can't really against any of the quality teams in football. It's hard for me to pick Kansas City. Just it's just such a hard way to win to think your offense has to outscore all the time. Your defense is. Never going to make a stop at any crucial point. And one guy could do that much? At least he gives it one more down the pecking order for some lesser matchups to worry about. Whether that has to be a Gronk, him versus Gronk, or whatever it may be. Instead of poking on Skandrick or right. something. Right. It's just they're so, you know, to me, again, they'd be a team. I'd be looking at Pac-Man Jones if I'm them. Yeah, why did the Broncos cut him? I don't know. I don't have the 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 story there. I mean, you know, I will get it. Um, you know, Pac-Man and some of his friends were the first to let me know that he was going to be released. Yeah, but I don't know the story of that. The story came out on Sunday that Hugh Jackson might be the next coach of the Bengals, and I laughed so loud. Yeah, you should have. How the hell is this even a thing? I don't know. It's I really don't know. I can't. I don't even know. But they're. I, I mean, they can't be that stupid. I don't know what I don't else know, to they say. Had Marvin Lewis for sixteen years. Gosh. Well, Marvin looks like Bill Belichick compared to Hugh. I mean, damn. I mean, Hugh's—it's just no. Hugh is so embarrassing. Like, I'm just gonna say, like, beyond the fact that he's lost like 50 games in three years or whatever it was, or four years, and he's got like three wins. Beyond the fact that he's like on the field trying to dap up all of his former players and getting stopped by Baker Mayfield. Beyond the fact that like he's like lied in the media and tried to cover things up. Beyond the fact that he's like had public squabbles with coaching staffs and so many people have come forward, like. All of that, and you faced him twice a year, and you go, he's the guy. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't get that either. Marvin should not get a say for the next coach. Definitely not. This is not Bill Belichick. Right. He has not won a playoff game in 16 years. Right. The current I don't even know who the GM is. Is it their owner, Mike Brown? Is that how it works, or is yeah. that Marvin Lewis? No, yeah, it's a little bit of both. That's a franchise where I go – you're stuck until your owner's gone. Yeah. You just are. Because they've been running it like a small town team. Yeah. You don't have any infrastructure for success. Marvin Lewis doesn't get to pick his successor. He hasn't been successful enough to pick a successor. Right. They just need to blow the whole thing up. But that's been the story for six years. Yeah, I know. I know. I think this is a year. It's finally going to be over. That's what we said last year. I know. I was shocked, too. I will say... It is interesting. Marvin the way... Lewis is good at evaluating talent. Oh, I, I wasn't even going to that. I was just going to go into Baker Mayfield and what a baller he is. Okay, let's go into that. I mean, he's just a baller. And you know what? I respect his attitude towards Hugh Jackson towards the end, too. Like, I understand it is a business and things change and all that. But 
as you heard me say a little earlier today too, like you can't win as a pro athlete sometimes. There, okay, yeah, he's competitive. He's not going to be nice to the opposing coach who just left their team to go help out the division rival that they still have to play two more times. He's not cool with that. Oh, he cares, you know. But yet if he didn't care, we'd be like, oh, this, what's wrong with these pro athletes? They don't care about anything. They just want to go out and collect checks. No, he fucking cares. That's, if that's, I was a Browns fan and my quarterback said, that's a rivalry game. That's just how I'm going to look at yeah, it going right, forward. Right. I would love you it. You would love it, right? Love it. Exactly. I mean, it's just he's Yeah, he's, everybody taking the side of Hugh Jackson that like the man's gotta the man's gotta get a job or right. whatever. He could. Uh, he was also being paid not to work. Exactly right. So it's not like this man's like starving. Yes. Um, and I know that everyone likes Hugh. Yeah. It does seem like in the media, everyone likes to stick up for Hugh. Yeah, they do. Um, but no, I, I asked you earlier if John Gruden left, got if John Gruden got fired right. and then went and, and joined the Panthers two weeks later yeah. and then played you the week after that, you wouldn't like it. No, I would not. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of, kind of unethical. It's kind of fucked up going to leave us and now what go and tell them all our secrets like he was just telling us to buy into everything he said you know 14 days ago now he's going to go in and tell everybody what we what he said to us and that's what baker's like yeah baker you know what when you think somebody is fake yeah and then they do something then you think they're fake exactly right and baker was commenting on people's instagrams today he was fake yeah he believes that Hugh Jackson was a liar. Yeah. And the whole thing with Tyrod Taylor, I'm sure that Baker watched that and went, man, I never had a chance to start. Right, right. He was going to start Tyrod from the get-go. Yes. And then he went out there, and since Hugh's been gone, nine touchdowns, one interception, yep. and he's won more games since he's been gone than Hugh won nearly the entire time he was there. Yeah, I know. And so Baker's looking at it and going, and you know what? I do like Baker. I do, too. That's what, what's there not to like? I mean, it's just, he's, he's what you want. He balls. Yep. He's not afraid to call people out. Right. Yeah, I dig it. I'm not sitting here. I can't sit here and take the side of Hugh Jackson. No. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm with you. You know? Totally with you. Oh, but there was that one time that we shared a Cabernet. I don't really care. <laughs> That's why I tell you guys, I don't want to meet any of these people. Yeah. So I can just shit hey, all over them. Yeah, apparently the Dolphins haven't seen um, Andrew Luck play in Indianapolis before. Running the ball on third and ten, two series in a row. Did you see that story before that when Andrew Luck gets the ball last, he wins in Indianapolis? Oh, yeah. That was hilarious to me. Adam Gase is on the hot seat. I mean, he probably is. We got to give Phillip Rivers some kudos. I mean, 25 completions in a row. 28 of 29. That's insane. Okay, I don't give a damn if it's the Cardinals. Arizona's defense is not that bad. Right. I I mean, mean, Kim Dietschy had two and a half sacks in the first half. The disaster of which is the 49ers. Yeah, what's going on there? Well, I mean, I don't know. You know as much as I do. It's not like I called Kyle yesterday and was like, hey, what's what's going on with your dysfunctional linebacker who's getting arrested in the team Lotel? I guess John Lynch didn't fleece Ryan Pace with that trade, huh? To get Solomon Thomas. I would say not. And, uh, and then Ruben trade Foster. back up to get Ruben Foster. Right. No, I mean, uh, that that's an, yeah, that's annoying. I'm just trying to hit the, all the NFL if there's anybody else we Well, missed. there's one that we need to talk up about. Yeah. Sunday Night Football. Yeah. I guess Kirk Cousins is a baller now that he won a primetime oh, game. Oh, primetime baller. It was nighttime and he it won. It was nighttime. He was like, this is a big one. It's dark out. The lights are on. Oh, wait, the lights are on at 425, too, but I got to play bigger because everyone's going to judge me on I didn't time. see those people on Twitter even complimenting him either, the people that usually shit on him. Oh, they never do. I mean, that's, 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 what I, that's why I, don't, I can't even deal with Twitter. I don't care. I just don't care. They've, no one on Twitter's ever been wrong ever in their lives. It reminds me of somebody else in our world. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You said his mistakes are magnified like no one else. Yeah. I want 
to first talk about how I'm seeing people saying that Aaron Rodgers is losing it and he's not that good. He missed that throw to Devontae Adams and people are saying Aaron Rodgers isn't that good. We're getting tweeted at from all the morning shows. Right. Oh, they're saying Aaron Rodgers isn't that good, blah, blah, blah. What's the Chris Sims official response? Well, I mean, the official response, again, is, okay, I mean, we know my issues with Mike McCarthy. I mean, again, that offense, what they do, it's first and second grade math. I mean, even compared to the Vikings, who are not reinventing the wheel, they're at least in middle school math. You know, you got the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, those teams, they're running advanced algebra, right? So it's a joke of an offense. They do nothing, okay? You know, we talk about, oh, they got a run game when the running back runs for more than 70 yards. Like, oh, they, they got a run game. I mean, that's how we talk about it. There's nothing there to help him out. You know, in years past, he could get them out of these situations more because they could at least pass protect as an O-line. They were a great pass protecting O-line. So that would give him time, Lefko, as you and I saw so many times on Sundays together, at least the time to dance around and wait for receivers to get open. Now, I saw him throw a few balls down the middle of the field to Jimmy Graham that Gronkowski caught for Brady yesterday. Jimmy Graham doesn't ever seem to come up with them. I don't. I mean, again, Devontae Adams is a good player. He's not a superstar receiver. I mean, there's no double-teaming Devontae Adams. You know, they didn't even put Xavier Rhodes on him every time they play man. It wasn't like they were like, man, Xavier has to be on him or we're screwed. He played him a lot. Are we gonna? You're gonna start telling me Equinomis St. Brown now is a huge threat in the past game. I mean, so again, what's there to really look at? I, I don't know what else to say. It's almost like the Blake Bortles conversation. I'm so sick of it, and like I've just said it so many millions of times that I don't know what to say. I didn't think they would win any chance last night. I picked the Vikings. I never even doubted that game. Uh, in our bets, you picked the Packers to cover. To cover, the right, right. But I picked the Vikings to win the game. Yet another, yeah. another little bit of money. Right. Uh, Nick, if you could make sure that what the, was the computer that? audio is three and a half for Minnesota. Uh, right. That was another game. Minnesota decided not to kick the field goal yeah. to go up. Um, so they would have gone up 10. Or no, they would have gone up, what was that at that time? 13. 13. That was dumb. And I was like, and I was like, take the points because then I'm definitely going to cover the spread. But luckily, Aaron Rodgers couldn't. I mean, they'll be able to fall back the fact that Bailey missed two field goals, right? Right, Bailey missed two field goals last yeah. night. It was a one extra point. No, two. One, yeah, two. So I understand that, but still, like the logic I heard with like, oh, I mean, oh, we want to. You want to go up thirteen? Yes. I don't understand that. You want to make Rodgers score? They wanted score the first down to two touchdowns. All the clock, yeah. but I yeah. thought it was unnecessary. Right. I have another theory. Yeah. And it starts with what Aaron Rodgers said post game. Right. Um, from some teams. And then we got to take care of our own business. You know, we got to find a way to win a game on the road. We're owing six on the road. But this is where so it starts. we just got to go back home, get some rest, beat Arizona, and then come back and beat Atlanta and go to Chicago, a place we've won a number of times, beat them, go to New York around Christmas, beat them, and come home. And come home and beat Detroit. I have a theory. Mm -hmm. This is the 2018 relax. Instead of R-E-L-A-X, it's beat the Cardinals, beat the Falcons, beat the Bears, 
beat the Jets, beat the Lions. I believe that Aaron Rodgers wanted to start off 4-6-1. (laughs) Everybody is willing to part with Mike McCarthy. So he didn't carry them to a 7-7-1 and let people think that they have a chance to keep their jobs. They know there's nothing there. Aaron Rodgers, after the game, is about to go John Wick. He just named all of his future victims. The Cardinals, the Falcons, the Bears, Jets, the Lions. Not happening. Aaron is about to go on a five-week spree. Aaron Rodgers just gave us the blueprint. When does a quarterback ever talk about the next week, let alone the next five? Yeah, I hear you. Aaron's about to go nuts. This will be next level. I'm not just going to tell you because I don't believe it, and you know me. I'm I'm fan number one. You just moved down to number two because <laughs> you don't believe it. The pass protection is an issue, right? So that, to me, is a huge reason of why he can't take over games, even with the lack of talent around him. You know, again, I'd like to remind everybody the offense is not special. I mean, listen, when they throw a screen pass and it goes for 10 yards, I'm like, whoa, that was pretty good. I mean, they have three or four game plan plays a game, and I want to be like, good job, but now you only need 45 more, and it'll be you'll have a real offense. You know, I don't know what else to say. Their defense is falling apart. Their best player is not out there, Mike Daniels. I mean, their best player on defense is a rookie, number 23, Jair Alexander. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing to the team is what I'm trying to tell everybody. There's nothing. And if you think, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers is having a bad year. Aaron Rodgers has thrown for more yards than Drew Brees. He's thrown for less touchdowns. He's also thrown only one interception. Drew Brees has two. And he's been sacked 24 more times. So he's under pressure constantly. For the guy who's about as mobile as they get in football. And I know some of those sacks happened when his knee was hurt. But this is one of the greatest in-the-pocket dancers in the history of the sport. So the bad Aaron Rodgers And his completion percentages are down. Because how many times last night did we see him have to dance around and avoid getting sacked and throw it away, right, Lefko? Oh, the completion shocked. I'm really shocked. Really shocked. Yeah. Um, all right. So if Rodgers was playing like shit, I just hope everybody knows I would tell them. Right, you can count on me for that. I don't give a damn. If my dad was out there playing like shit, I'd say, man, he's shitty right now. They need to sit him. <laughs> I just I don't know what else to say. Aaron Rodgers did talk about Patrick Mahomes and said, I don't want to respect disrespect him with this, but I see a lot of my young self in him. Mm. He rolls around, runs around, make plays. He's got a big arm. He's talented, plays with a great swagger. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Love that. Fan question for you. This is from C. Dillionaire. Niners <laughs> offense not looking great. Is Shanahan pulling his punches this year until he has his offensive weapons back so other teams don't have his good stuff on film? No, no, definitely not. With guys like that, they always let it go because they always feel like their offense is going to grow. I'm going to have more wrinkles, new things I can do the next year, whatever. They don't think like that. He's got you know, a quarterback issue. He's got a lack of weapons on the receiver issue. You know, I mean, when there's no Marquise Goodwin out there, there's nobody that scares you at remotely at all on that offense yet. And their defense lets up too many big plays. But 
No, I mean, I think really the biggest problem with Kyle and the 49ers is, you know, they don't have a backup quarterback for one. That would be my first thing. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but C.J. Beathard was, as Lefko would tell you, from the day they drafted him, I was like, damn, I don't know. He was an end of the sixth rounder to me, seventh rounder, undrafted free agent. So guys like Beathard and Nick Mullins are, to me, like borderline third stringers in the NFL. And we're seeing that, that if the game can't just be served up on a silver platter for them perfectly like it was in Oakland on the Thursday night game when they blew them out and everyone wanted to say Nick Mullins was Brett Favre, Hmm. yes, what the problem is when those plays aren't there to be had, just these easy plays that the game plan provides, you know, you need talent there. You need talent at the quarterback position. It can't always be on the OC to come up with a perfect play. Um, all right. So I love you. I love you. It's a pleasure to come back and see you. Yeah, I'm glad that you're back with your favorite lefty. Yeah. Four. Oh, yeah, that's right. I went from the lefty to you. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say. Good evening. And for the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. We will holla, holla, holla at you later. We'll be back with some film on Wednesday. Big Phil will join us. And Thursday, we'll see if Sims can narrow the lead. Or Adam is going to run away with it again. You're in a big lead now, huh? <laughs> Woohoo! See you guys later. Yeah.